You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church, and this is our Monday episode we call Hear and Obey, and we are in Exodus chapter 20. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined today by Matt Grun, another pastor here, and Mark Christensen, and we are at the end of the Ten Commandments, mm. Exodus 20, verse 17, the Tenth Commandment. Wild. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let me read this, and... Our aim is to understand the meaning of the text and to be affected by that, to be changed, transformed by the meaning, to not just be hearers, but doers of the word. And so this is God's word to us. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. That is the 10th and final Mm -hmm. commandment. Um, yeah, what, what stands out to you guys is we come to the end here. Yeah, I think, and Greg opened up with this. You always have to read these commandments as we've said, and I think probably most of these podcasts, you have to read them in a redemptive context. And so the only way that I think we'd have the freedom to potentially covet someone else's property is only because God had saved his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, Mm. um, so then we're faced with now that you are free, you're sub you're able to do, you know, either covet your things or not. It's only because God is saved first and foremost. And so mm-hmm. and now we have the commandment, because God was so gracious, therefore you can you shall not covet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, um, and Greg pointed this out in his sermon, that th- this is uh this is probably the only one that as I'm thinking back through them, the only command that is directed particularly and only at a heart disposition. Um, all the others, while, while certainly true, and I think we brought this up in all the sermons we've been doing on like murder and uh, adultery and so forth begins in the heart, right? Because oftentimes the dichotomy is, well, it's just the action. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus makes clear in the new Testament, in the sermon on the Mount. No, that gets pushed all the way into, uh, into our hearts. But this 10th commandment, really does leave no stone unturned and goes all the way mm. into the heart and only deals with that. It doesn't say you shall not covet and then go on and steal or mm. you shall not covet and then make yourself an idol because you've been coveting some other worship. It just talks about this sin of this heart disposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, that that is telling to us in the sense of God is not just concerned with our actions, mm-hmm. but all the way down into our hearts and our minds and also the 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 the, um, the scope of this command, uh, he lists. You know, those of us, probably myself, uh, want to. We, we want the god the, the the guidelines sharp so that I know how close to the line I can get or what's in bounds or what's not. And so you look at that list and you say, okay, I haven't coveted my neighbor's house not all the time. And, and you go through that list. He's like, okay, I haven't done that. Or that. Well, then he says, and anything else, <laughs> just. Uh, mm. that the list is not meant to be uh, a restrictive thing, mm. but it's actually meant to be as broad as possible. Uh, I think Greg used the illustration. This is right. It's like priming a pump of a, of a, of an engine. You, you mm. get that thing going and then it's all of a sudden starts, starts yep. suction. So it's, um, it, it opens us up to not only is it not the actions, but it's focused on the heart disposition and, the scope of what I can of what I'm to not covet is everything. Um, that's not mine. Anything that is my neighbor's, 
Yeah. Uh, and that just, that leaves all of us pinned. Yeah. No, that's good. Cause I, I think it ties together a couple things. It, yeah. Th- that's very noticeable. We often talk about when we're reading the word, one of the first things we do is just observe mm-hmm. what, what's going on. And when you're making observations, you, one of the helpful things to do is just to compare, um, a, a passage, a, a paragraph, a verse to even the surrounding context. And this one stands out, whereas there, there was a series here, very short and brief. And, and we mentioned for several of these in the Hebrew, they're literally two words long, mm-hmm. not murder, not adultery, not, not theft. Um, this one is, is a little longer and it has all of these piled up, very concrete examples. So it, it stands out that as an observation, this looks different than those ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was helpful how Greg pointed out really the 10th serves like a bookend with the first one. Yes. Um, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm. This is another way of saying that you shall not want anything else more than you want and desire God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it serves as a, as a bookend, but that distinction, like you're saying that the concrete things of don't covet, your neighbor's house or his donkey or his wife or his servants or all of those practical things. It's a reminder that yes, while this does exist within our hearts, it's a heart level desire, not, not an action outwardly necessarily. Um, it's not abstract and and that's a danger that's easy to fall into thinking like things that exist in our hearts and minds are kind of abstract, not real, not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but, but this grounds it in reality. Like that thing going on in your heart is about something very tangible and external and concrete, like your neighbor's donkey <laughs> or modern examples, his car or his riding mower or mm-hmm. whatever it is, his, uh, you know, career or income or status or so it, it, it's always something specific. And so right. I think that that reminds us like we, we sin in specifics yeah. there there's something in the real world going on even if it's we, we think it's fairly hidden because it's just in our heart and mind and maybe nobody else knows that i'm sinning committing <laughs> the breaking the 10th commandment um it, it's still anchored in the real world it always finds its way out yeah 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 <laughs> I, and i think it's important to, it not only do is it specific you cannot cover that thing but i think it's worth asking okay behind the command is a question of, okay, why do you want that thing? What, what, what is the, what's your heart actually communicating when it says I want that because I, because I lack. Mm. Uh, and it's that it's because I, what I have is insufficient. Um, what I have is not enough. What I have, if I had that thing, then I would be happy, mm-hmm. right? My happiness is dependent on the securing of whatever thing I'm desiring. Mm. Rather than, this is what I thought was so helpful in Greg's sermon, because what it does is it, it, it points us back to, it's what we need in the 10th commandment is what the Israelites needed in the wilderness. Are you going to trust me with what you have or not? Mm. Are you going to trust that I know what's best for you? And, and it's not, you know, the, the, at, the at the core of, of covenant is really the claim of like, it's not fair that he has that and mm. I don't. I deserve to have that thing or to have happiness or, or whatever. And the storyline of the Bible, we've talked about this before, is no, God doesn't give out inequality or like mm. in everybody gets equal measures. Yeah. God gives gives uh, plentiful to some and, yeah. and lack to others. And the question is not what's my circuit, my happiness and my um, satisfaction shall should not be determined by what I've been given, but rather will I trust 
God who gives every good gift and trust him that it is a good gift from him and that Mm -hmm. it is enough and everything that I need. Mm -hmm. And that really is, I think, what the command is getting at, the sin of really not trusting God to keep his promises to Mm -hmm. me, that he will work all things out for my good. It's the same promise or it's the same uh, command really that Eve failed in the garden. She was convinced by her own sin and through the serpent's deception that they did not have enough. Even though God had said to them, I give you every tree for <laughs> every tree to eat from, except for that one, that wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And the serpent actually gets Eve to think wrong thoughts, bad thoughts. No, God doesn't. He said that because he's not trustworthy. Um, he's withholding something good from you. Isn't that the cry of our heart? When we see other people's successes, it se- everything seems to be going just so easily for them and everything's so hard for me. Um, and that's the other thing. It's not, I don't think the command is getting at only material things, but also like successes and life circumstances and, uh, you know, dreams fulfilled Mm -hmm. and all that's happening for all these other, they're getting married or they're having children or whatever. And, and we're over here and feeling like we're being ignored by God. Mm -hmm. Um, like he's withheld something from us. And so out of that coveting other people comparing to this circumstance inevitably leads us to, um, doubting and angry thoughts towards God, which is why the command is so needed. Why yeah. it is one of the ten of this is a big deal. Yeah, just just as the first command is a, a, a disordering of our um, our worship. Really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is a disordering of our, our a misordering of our satisfaction. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like Greg pointed out from Colossians, uh, I think it's three verse five, where where Paul's gives a list of sins to put to death. Last one is covetousness, which is idolatry, he says. And so right there, Paul makes that connection that, yeah, breaking the 10th commandment is, it's linked to the first commandment of what you worship, what you desire the most. Yeah, you're setting up this this idol or this picture of what would be best for you Mm -hmm. in this moment, according to your own thoughts and desires. Yeah. And Paul says that very thing you're worshiping is idolatry. Yeah. So a question, um, we kind of just jumped right into this, but where Greg started and and I think it's, it's helpful just defining what does it mean to covet? Mm. And he clarified the Hebrew word, like in English covet is mainly negative in its connotation, right? I mean, coveting is a largely a, a bad thing, but he, he pointed out the Hebrew word here is just desiring, which is why there's an object specifically because it's not forbidding don't desire anything but don't mm-hmm. desire your neighbor's stuff mm. um, so how how should we think about that or understand what coveting means um, you know Greg I think again helpfully pointed out the Bible doesn't forbid desiring things right. in fact God is the God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy so it's not wrong to enjoy things because mm-hmm. because you can fall into that you could be so you're looking for an idol under everything that mm. y- you can't enjoy anything right. because you're afraid you're committing some materialism Pick, with the family and, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so it, it's okay to enjoy things it's okay to have material things um where's the line or mm. or how how do we think about that Interesting. Um, so the, the Hebrew word used there, you shall not covet. Um, like we said, it, it's, it's other synonyms or th- words like desire. Um, 
but also interestingly, so the ESV trend, that same word is translated in Genesis two, nine, um, where, where God is making the garden of Eden. He says, and out of the ground, so he just made man, he's placed man in out of the ground. The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight. So there's a, uh, a, a desirable effect. So that's more in the adjective of like that word being used in the adjectival sense of it's, it's got a, an effect to us. But then the same word is used one chapter later in Genesis 3, 6, where, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, to be coveted, really. There, there's an element of, uh, of desire, not just longing to have the thing, but to have the thing for a purpose um, and what the object is, right? That's one of the things that has been off limited. So there's a sense in which the word is, is conveying both pleasantness, like there's a reason why these things are desired, right? But also we can't ever escape from a world detached from God's moral world. Hmm. Um, for instance, sexual activity. That's a pleasant thing, but also can be a sin, hmm. right? And so Somewhere in that line, I think this, this you're getting to your question. I'm answering your question without mm. answering it. But <laughs> somewhere in there, what we really need is is God to decide. We we need God's word to make to draw those lines about because it's only desire like for instance, he's jealous, desiring of his people, right? Mm. He he's a jealous God and he desires and is covetous of their worship, and yet he does so without sin. So there is this, I don't think it's right to make the, the sharp distinction between desire is good, coveting is bad in a in just a blank mm-hmm. statement. It, it all depends on what is it that we are designed? What is it that we are coveting? Has God said yes and now? Yeah. Um, yeah. That really feels like the determiner um, rather than, you know, well, don't covet. Well, yes, but it's not, notice that's not just the command. Mm-hmm. It's not just do not covet end of 10 commandments is do not covet that which isn't yours. Right. Which implies then that there, there could be a covetousness that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I, I think, um, there's a, there's a category. I I remember, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the Mm. famous anti-theist. Um, he made a point when trying to argue against the Bible and God and specifically the 10 commandments. And he was saying things like, well, for one, you got a bunch of commandments. We don't really need, we, who needs the sixth commandment? We all know murder is wrong. We don't need God to tell us that. And then he said, and then something like the 10th commandment, he said that it bothered him that that got down to the heart level mm. because he, he, he got it. <laughs> that really <laughs> pins you down the, the level of desires and motives. Um, but he also said that's a perfectly, natural thing and actually, um, is, is healthy, right? If you see somebody else doing well, succeeding and you think, Oh, maybe I should also work hard or whatever. Mm. So he's trying to make this point that that's a good thing. So I'm just thinking through, let's say your neighbor does get a, a mower and you think, Oh, I didn't know such a thing was out there. And let's say you do have the means and your desire is not like, I'm going to go steal his mower. I'm going to go to the store and buy my own just like that. It's not necessarily wrong to see somebody else has something and then go legally purchase the same thing because you think, Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. However, I think like you're saying the sin is not so much in 
just desire on its own in a vacuum. But the, the fact that like, again, Greg was pointing out, isn't it crazy how you could be perfectly content with what you have until you see somebody with something else. Mm -hmm. And it's that discontentment that's provoked that you were just fine and totally happy and enjoying what God had blessed you with. And suddenly like, why did all of my joy evaporate instantly when somebody else showed up with something newer, bigger, better, whatever my, where, what happened to my joy? Well, I'm sinning. That's why all the joy is gone. I'm breaking the 10th commandment. So the, the problem is not in the desire necessarily the problem is not in like hey that's a good idea i saw my neighbor had this tool and i'm gonna go get one of those because i could really use that also and no that's not the problem it's it's um yeah that the provocation of discontentment lack of gratitude suddenly i i can't be happy until i also have that trajectories yeah. yeah yeah and so i think what we're saying is you have to work backwards from as a christian i'm called to be content with the lot that god has given me yeah and so I think when we talk about desire, it gets down to more of the motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of, you could have a, you're desiring a promotion at work. You could desire that in a godly way so that you can provide more for your family mm-hmm. or serve those in your missional community or tithe more to the church. Or, mm-hmm. But you could also desire it in an ungodly way, seeing my coworker just got this and I think I do just as much as him, if not more. And mm-hmm maybe in a better quality. And so you're, you're dissatisfied with the lot that God has given you yeah. right now. And so I think that's an easy way that we're able to trace our steps backwards mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what is really the motivation in my heart right now yeah. Yeah. with this desire. For, for whatever it's worth that one last word thing, that same word is used in Psalm 19 when describing the law of the Lord is perfect making wise the simple and, and so forth. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold. So there's this like, there's a, yeah, we're just making the point. There, there, is a, there is a good coveting, if you will, a good longing and desiring for. And also I think this sin, uh, this temptation for us who, who so treasure gospel community, this, we got to be on guard for this uh, mm. because we want to live our lives, you know, life on life, if you will, with people in community. And inevitably we're going to say their kids always seem to be like (laughs) behaving and they always sit at the table and like, why can't we have that? And what, what are we doing wrong? Um, and and so there, there's a category of like, we need to be aware that the trajectories, as you guys were just saying, the trajectories are there. Like that question of why is it that way and not at their place and not ours, Mm. that points your feet in a direction. Now, really the book of, Proverbs, right? Deals with like, okay, your feet start there. Now, will you live by God's word? And cause, cause that can be like, well, maybe you do need to get your house in order. Maybe you do need yeah. to like for us, we, we've been, we have struggled from day one to keep our kids at the table. They're runners. How do we tie them down? And then we see the other people and they, their kids just sit there and eat nicely and ask to be excused. You're like, okay, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like I, I, yeah, maybe there are good questions to ask. Those are good questions to ask. But if my motivation is I want other people mm. to see our family as mm. well put together and well disciplined as if, to keep up the image of we've got it yeah. all together. That is where we're moved. That's where I feel like this is where Mark, you were saying motivation of like my motivation isn't for 
contentment in God or does, or coveting his laws, coveting his ways. I think that that's how that Psalm 19 is using that. There to be God's law, God's word is to be desired and kept and protected mm-hmm. and followed. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and I'm just, I'm just aware of that is a, it's an easy step in gospel community to be just looking around and being like, man, they seem to be really have it. Their marriage has it together or like oh, they, 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 they keep getting that job promotion and you know, yeah. and it comes up in like prayer requests. Can we pray? What, what good news is there around the circle? Well, somebody says something great that's happening and somebody's tempted to like, why can't that happen to me? So I'm just, I'm aware that that's an easy temptation for us yep. in gospel community. The question is now then what do we do with it? Do we take it to God and say, God, why have you not given me any good thing? Or do we take it to God and say, God, wh- where can I pursue uh, your law and your word and your how you've designed me for the station you've given me and the, right. the resources you've given me to be, um, yeah, to, to, to become more like Christ? And that really is the question of which which road? Yeah. <laughs> where will we go? Where will our feet take us? Yeah. And I, and I think it's good for us to realize too, yes, there are things that, God has not promised me that he's maybe promised one of you two, but to realize God has actually promised me things yeah. too. There, there's so much that God has already given me and has promised to me in Christ. Maybe just a shameless plug, uh, the book, a rare jewel or the rare jewel of Christian contentment mm-hmm. by Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs. Such a great book. It's a book I've read, tried to read at least once a year, um, or at least skim back through my highlights and my notes. But Something he says in that book, um, he says, I'm discontented because I have not these things which God never yet promised me. Mm. And therefore I sin much against the gospel and against the grace of faith. Mm. Um, That's powerful. And so being able to see, okay, I am sinning against God right now because I'm mm-hmm. not happy that God has not promised me these things. And I'm forgetting all the other things that God has promised me. Right. Yeah. Which is the evil of our our discontentment yeah. um, because of what it alleges about God. He's not good. He has not been fair to me. He will not provide for me. Um, yeah. I, I think that's helpful to reflect on just to get down to the, the root of uh, the sin of coveting. There's a Dr. Seuss book. You ever read the, the one about the sneeches? <laughs> Do you get, are you guys familiar with that at all? The not that one. Okay. Well, the sneeches, there are star belly sneeches. They had bellies with stars, and then there were these plain belly sneeches. They had none upon theirs. <laughs> those, that, that's how it goes. Um, the, the stars weren't so big; they were really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all, but because they had stars, all the star belly sneeches would brag were the best kind of sneeches on the mm-hmm. beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. Will have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they met some, when they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. Mm. So as the story goes, somebody comes up with this machine that can put stars on the plain belly sneeches. And so they pay money to get stars on their bellies. Well, then the star belly ones don't like that there's no longer this distinction. So they pay to have their stars removed. And it's just this endless cycle. And there's an author who gave this thought experiment once about, um, think about if you could press a button that would immediately double your, your wealth or no, I think he said, uh, the wealth of all the, um, people living in poverty right now, if you could instantly Mm -hmm. double theirs, but pressing that button would also, you know, quadruple the wealth of the wealthiest person in the world, all the wealthiest people. Would you press the button? Um, 
and there are a lot of people like that's exactly the problem that it, it's not so much um, you see what your neighbor has and, and you think, oh, I like that too. It's, it's the fact that as soon as somebody else shows up with something bigger and better, all of your joy and contentment right. vanishes. <laughs> you might, you know, you just get home with your brand new truck and all of a sudden your neighbor has an even newer, nicer one. <laughs> and, and so you're, mm-hmm. you know, the joy is just so short lived. Um, as long as somebody else has more. And, and part of the reality this is pointing us to is we live in a world where somebody's always going to have All something yeah. better, right. something they're going to have more of something than you. And, and the only remedy to that, because you can't cease to exist in the world. The, the only remedy is to content yourself completely in, in the Lord and trust mm-hmm. that he has allotted to us what is good for us. So it just comes back to that, you know, as the psalmist prays, the, the lines, the, uh, the lots uh, have fallen for me in, in pleasant places. Yeah. God has set boundaries. God has hemmed me in behind and before. Mm-hmm. God has provided me with what I need. And it's it's going to be different than with what he's provided you and you. And mm-hmm. um, and that's part of, like you were saying, living in community right. with people where there's always going to be somebody with something different and something nicer. And um, at, But at, at the same time, we're all battling this. Like, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's somebody... <laughs> To Even them, though, yeah. that has more than them, and right? So forth, yeah. right? And I think living with contentment is, like you said, Matt. Living in community is such a great witness to the watching world, mm-hmm. where I can be sitting at a table with different people who might have more or less than me, and yet there's still something that binds us together. That's yeah. not just our status and our wealth. And, yeah. yeah, that's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? I mean, that's hmm. kind of Paul's point, just Aaron Galatians three, where he says, "Well, now there's no." There, there, this leveling effect of no longer slave or master or male and female, but all are united in Christ. And that doesn't mean, as it's been twisted, that everybody's now the same and everybody should be given the same. Right. Um, but what it does level out is because of Christ's work, we now all have equal joy and satisfaction in whatever comes. Um, that we can sit at the same table as those way below us and way above us and yeah. way more money and way less money and, and all have something in common. Um, which is we've been bought by the blood of Jesus mm-hmm. and and share in the faith of Abraham or the faith united to Christ. And um, that has a sweet unity that I can, you know, me and my wallowing and my whatever, I don't have my neighbor's truck. You know, as, as it's been said, you go to anywhere in, you know, third world country and you're, they're longing just to eat. Um, and here you are complaining about that. And yet I have something in common with Christians on in these, in this parts of the world that, that I don't have with the wealthiest people, the wealthiest unbeliever in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? There, there's a commonality that the gospel mm-hmm. brings and it doesn't necessarily equal, equal circumstance and station, but a, an equal joy and satisfaction in the blood of Christ. Yeah. And that's the, the remedy for our, our covetous hearts. We, we live in a covetous world full of envy so many people are, you know, just that, that is the fuel that drives their lives is envy of others, resentment at the, the fact that there are always going to be people out there with more than them. Hmm. Um, and I, just a reminder to us, like th- this is one of God's 10 commandments. This is God's moral law. It's timeless and universal. And so when we see that sin in our hearts creeping up and it, it's going to be about something specific, which is why, you know, probably specific examples can come to your mind for your own life because it's going to be concrete. That's what this commandment is teaching us. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be about something specific. Um, when you see that, 
rather than shrugging your shoulders or thinking, well, that's unpleasant, just confess it. Like that, I think that's the application I, I take from this. Conf- I, I need to confess that immediately. Every time I see the slightest hint of that in my own heart, repent of that before the Lord because it's sin, trust in Christ and turn my desire from whatever else it is that I'm hoping in to Christ. And, and, and then it just becomes an opportunity to rejoice in and mm. be fully satisfied in Christ and be reminded of that. So this has been wonderful walking yeah. through these 10 commandments. And certainly um, this is not to be, you know, like checked off the list and then put on the shelf that this is to inform all of life for us as we trust God and walk in his ways. Mm. It, it is his will just read in first Thessalonians. He chose us to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in his word. Mm. Um, that that's God's will for us. So may it be so for his glory and for our joy. Yes.